This show is produced and hosted by Mark Weber. The show is sponsored by G3 Apparel. The views expressed in the following program are those of the sponsor and not necessarily the opinion of 710 WOR or iHeartMedia. Who is Mark Weber? He's a self-made business executive here to help you find your success. From the New York City projects to the Avenue Montaigne in Paris, his global success story in the luxury world of fashion is inspirational. He's gone from clerk to CEO twice. Mark is classic proof that the American dream is alive and well. Here's your host of Always in Fashion, Mark Weber. We never go out of style. We never go out of style. This is a business show. Make no mistake about it, Always in Fashion is a business show. When we decided to podcast, we got an interesting and welcome surprise. Apple categorized us as culture and lifestyle. In truth, it explained why a show entitled Always in Fashion wasn't talking much about fashion. My book, Always in Fashion, wasn't a memoir. It chronicled my career right from the beginning to an evening in 2011 when the American Image Awards had named me the Man of the Year and I delivered my acceptance speech. While I spoke to an audience of hundreds of people, I was in reality talking to my wife. It was our night. But back to always in fashion. It's an expansive concept. Intelligence is always in fashion. Curiosity is always in fashion. Common sense is always in fashion. Success is always in fashion. I think I've made that clear throughout the time and weeks and months and years that we've been on the air. But tonight, in spite of that, I want and I've decided to talk about style. But like always in fashion, style is a word that transcends its simple meaning. Certainly, style and fashion are like words in music or love and marriage. But style is represented in many facets of life, not limited to, but in your business approach, your dealing with people, and of course, what stares back to you in the mirror. Welcome tonight to Style on Always in Fashion. And allow me the poetic license to talk about, well, style in all things. Or style begins with fashion and continues through life. Before I go any further, the always stylish, my son, co-host, and lawyer, Jesse Weber. I love that. I love being called stylish by you. I, I, I feel that's a very nice compliment. Thank you. You're welcome. You do have a great sense of style. Hey, I have to have a question. You've been covering these trials the last few weeks. It's amazing what's going on. You are at CNN or HLN, Channel 12 News. You did reports for this station in the morning. I got to ask a question. There was an attorney, I forgot his name, the prosecuting attorney for the Rittenhouse trial. He was incredibly stylish. His name's Thomas Binger. I'll tell you one thing. I've watched so many trials. I would say he's probably one of the best-dressed attorneys I've seen. And for a prosecutor, not even a defense attorney, usually are more wealthy attorneys, the prosecutor put himself together very well, very clean. It's interesting you say that because the defense guy was a schlub. His suit was hanging. He, he reminded me more of Colombo than a defense attorney. Now, here's the question. In trials, does it matter? What they look like? And their style. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Here's how I think about it. On one hand, I think the more stylish you look, the more put together you look, the more professional you look, a jury said, wow, I'm going to listen more attentively to that lawyer. They know what they're talking about. Here's the flip side of it. 
A lot of these trials that we cover are in different parts of the country. And a part of me thinks that the more common man or the more common person the lawyer looks, it might be more relatable to a jury. And they might say, you know what? This guy's speaking to me or this woman's speaking to me. He looks like me. She looks like me, dressed like me. I like it. And and maybe, you know, dressing a little bit more fancy might be a little too pretentious. What do you think about that? Um, you make a good point. People have to be relatable. But at the same time, people are wearing uniforms. In this case, it might be a suit and tie, but nonetheless, it's a uniform. When you're dressed really well and you look like you're a master of the universe, does that tell people that you know something they don't? Is that a signal that you are really in the know, that you have a presence, that you command attention? That's the offset of what I just said. I was just thinking about, you talk about the law. Do you know who Elizabeth Holmes is? She's the founder of Theranos. It was a big fraud. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the blood tests. Uh-huh. One's valued at $9 billion. It was all a scheme. It was all a con. All of that was based on how she presented herself. And that is what is amazing, that you can convince people based on the way you look and present. Well, let's not forget, you want to talk con men, the greatest of all was Bernie Madoff. Looked like a simple, unassuming guy, had all the trimmings of a very wealthy, successful man, and he conned billions and billions. What was the number, 60 billion out of people? Now, I don't believe he was a commanding presence in the terms of the way he presented himself, but his overall style and demeanor said, this guy knows money, and we could trust him. And look what he did with it. Well, okay, just out of the criminal realm, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Let's be honest about him, okay? I love him. America loves him. He's probably one of the most influential people, followed by more people on Instagram than anybody else. The way he looks is impeccable. I mean, obviously his physique, but the way he dresses, the way he presents. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. He's not the best actor. I think he even knows that, but he's so likable in his demeanor and everybody wants to emulate him that he's built not only a career, but he's incredibly wealthy and successful over that. Well, I happen to like him very much. If he's in a movie, I'm going to watch it, except for that Disney movie that just came out. And I just watched Red Notice with uh, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Gal Gadot. It held my attention, but it really was... The Rock, Deadpool, and Wonder Woman in a action-adventure heist movie. And it wasn't really good. Yeah, it was interesting, but it wasn't great. But let's get back to the real world for a moment. I've watched your analysis on TV all this week. You often talk about the lawyers and their style of presentation. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we're talking about the Rittenhouse case. It's closing arguments. Just to give everybody an idea, when we talk about closing arguments, this is the final attempt to convince the jury one way or another on your position, so important in a case. Now, you talked about Thomas Binger, the prosecutor in this case. Kind of say with the underdog. Everybody going into this case thinks that, you know, Rittenhouse, it's all self-defense, all self-defense. So he kind of had an uphill battle. The way he presented his closing argument was amazing. It was clear. It had a beginning. It had a middle. It had an end. He was completely polished, never missed a beat. And at the end of it, he was so convincing, I thought the defense had nowhere to go. And I was really impressed with how he did that. 
So then I was curious to hear how the defense is going to do, right? It's their case to lose. It seems so clear it's self-defense. A lot of people saying that. And I have to tell you, Mark Richards, who's defense counsel for uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, I I was shocked. He was so all over the place, disorganized. His thoughts were rambling. It was about two and a half hours. I didn't know where he was going. He missed so many opportunities. I'll tell you, he had good ideas, but they weren't put together in a clear presentation. The most powerful point of his closing argument was at the end when he showed the videos of what happened. And I just thought to myself, this guy probably lost the jury that way. He probably lost a juror or two. Too confusing, not clear, and I was disappointed. He was as disheveled in his closing argument as he was in his appearance. When I was watching it, I was saying to myself, where is this guy going? I have no idea what he's talking about. He went from here to there to here to there. Now, why does someone do that? First of all, he was very upset at the prosecution. A lot of things they did, he took it personally. And I think he spent the first 45 minutes of his closing argument fighting the prosecutor than defending his client. You can't get emotionally in these cases. And instead of really focusing on what the issue was of self-defense, he was saying, well, the prosecution did this, and how dare the prosecution say that? The prosecution has an agenda. This was a political investigation. Focus on the issues at hand and really remember what the law is. I think he got lost in that. I really do. Uh, With such a big case, it's also pressure on him as well. Pressure to try to convince this jury. Sometimes it's maybe too much pressure for attorneys. And I think he was a little all over the place. I was actually looking at co-counsel and I was looking at Kyle Rittenhouse through it. My take, they looked a little concerned with where he was going. Well, as it turns out, uh, it's facts that matter. But style is is also builds confidence. And and I want to get out of trials and say that style in business also matters. And when you're talking about matters, words matter. What you say matters. But when you're talking style, how you say it could often be the difference of you being taken seriously. It could speak to what's going to happen in your future. And if you're trying to make a point, it really comes through when you have the right style. I'll never forget when I became CEO of PVH. One of the board members asked to see me. They all asked to see me. They all had advice for me. One guy sits me down, and out of the clear blue sky, he looks at me and says to me, Mark, when you're the CEO of a company, you have to be like an eagle through a snowstorm. I'm listening to him. He says, you have to fly level. No matter what comes at you, you have to take it on and let it go right off your back. And I thought about it. You know, I wasn't a big fan of this fella, but nonetheless, it made a lot of sense that the world could be falling down all around you. And there are people who have excuses. They can make you crazy. But style and credibility often convinces those involved that you've got your arms around what's going on. I think of a couple examples um, of recent note. Had someone come into me and talk about workload. There's a couple of ways to deal with this. Look, during COVID, so many people were furloughed, let go, that people had to make do with less people and still have the same job to do. The work didn't change, but the work level remained the same. And people had to make do with less. They have a choice. 
if you're working in a job, you have a capacity to do so much work, so many times, so much hours that you could devote to it. What do you do about when you have to come to your boss and say, I need help? Well, there are two ways to do it. One way is I'm swamped. I can't take it. I'm overwhelmed. I can't get anything done. It's hitting me from every angle. I need help. You have to let me hire a couple of people. How does that sound to you, Jesse? Confidence in the person? I think it's going to go in one ear and out the other. I'm not going to have confidence in that person at all. Exactly. But how about if I came into you and said, Jesse, I know you're my boss and I have a great deal of respect. I need you to hear what's going on right now. Since COVID came in, the work level has not changed. And all I can tell you, in fact, because of the complications, I'm making more calls. I'm getting more emails. It's more complicated than ever. And now that we've furloughed 30% of our staff and another 20% was let go, I'm having difficulty getting the job done. And I'm concerned that important things are going to slip through the cracks. So I'd like to request that you give it some thought. And if you'd like some specific examples, I could show you. But I really could use one new person to come in immediately. Maybe hire back one of the furloughed people and get on top of this. That's perfect. That's the way you say it. And I'm wondering how many people had that conversation with their bosses this past year and a half. I don't know if they would have all said it like you did. That's great. Well, because I'm discussing style and business, I'm trying to show you. I'll give you another example. Uh, we're all aware of inflation right now. Prices are through the roof. Gasoline is up $1.50 a gallon. Meat is up 50%. Some places 20%. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And the supply chain, the cost of producing and the cost of shipping goods around the world has risen exponentially. And prices have to go up. I'm going to give you two different sellers talking to their accounts about raising price. The first, hey, Bob, good to see you. Listen, before you even sit down, you have to understand prices are going up. I have to raise my prices 30%. I have costs I can't cover. I have a boss over my head. And I want you to know, um, prices are going up and there's nothing to discuss about it. And Bob says to him, can I sit down and take off my coat? <laughs> Ew, I hated that. Exactly. Now let's talk about a different business style. Hey, Bob, thanks for coming in. I'm glad we had this opportunity to talk. I'm really excited about our business. Seems to me you're doing well. I'm doing well. I think the future is very bright. That's true, Mark. It, it is. Um, I didn't expect it to bounce back this quickly. But apparently there's this pent-up demand and all the events surrounding the stimulus and stimulus checks are paying off. People are spending money. Very often they're coming in and spending it with cash. But I have a great feeling about uh, the business right now. Which brings me, Bob, I, I had to talk to you about something. Um, I have a difficult situation. I need to make you my partner and share with you because, after all, we are partners. Prices are going up. Every single thing I'm purchasing overseas is going up by 20%. The same item I bought six months ago to bring into your store, basic white shirt, has gone up 20%. And on top of it, the freight has gone up another 40%. All said and done, I'm forced with a huge problem that what cost me $10 now cost me 15 and because of that, I'm going to have to raise your price on the products I sell you. Not to the extent of my increased cost, but I have to cover some of it in order for us to be viable. You want me to make money. I want you to make money. And I hope you would understand. Mark, I don't like hearing it, 
but I understand it and we're your partners and we'll work through it. Well, other than you didn't start by saying, hey, take your jack off and sit down. I thought that was perfect. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> the point is tonight we're discussing style. Style in life, style in business, style. And of course, we'll get around to the way you dress because this is always in fashion and I've singled out fashion tonight. If you want to be a player in this world, you need to understand the big picture. You need to present yourself understanding everything that's going on around you. Words matter, no question about it. But you have to realize, and you just might find out, that how you use those words matters more. It's called style. Be back in a minute. Always in fashion. You ever think about do your thing? Being individualistic? Thinking about what you represent? I spend my whole life fitting in yet being different. Coming up with my own style. Today, DKNY's entire fall collection is surrounding this idea of doing your own thing. Do your thing. How do you make it yours? This company, that brand, has always been about self-expression, about perspectives that matter, that matter to you. We're all different. We come from all different places. We have different points of view. And we all look at things differently. We can all see that same item and treat it in our wardrobes entirely uniquely for our own style. That's what makes DKNY special. 24-7, DKNY believes in designing for real life because they've always been about revolutionary pieces in the Donna Karen arsenal. DKNY has always championed, think less about what you're doing. Be individualistic. Do something personal. Take your style to where you want to take it. Don't follow trends. Fashion comes and goes, but style is forever and style is yours. DKNY, this fall is going to be introducing the 24-7 capsule wardrobe. It'll be based on smart silhouettes and a signature handbag collection as well. All designed with just the right amount of trend-forward details to fill in any gaps within your wardrobe. This reborn collection is about individualistic people. They're going to feature in their advertising some of the most creative people from art, culture, society, dance, in the country, in the city, the city that never sleeps, the city that is so unique, like the people in it. DKNY Fall Collection is do your thing. See it, buy it, embrace it, and make your statement. I'm so excited to watch Fall evolve with DKNY. DKNY, do your thing, make it yours. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. When somebody thinks of style, they generally think of fashion, which of course I do. Style and fashion are like words and music. But tonight, I'm looking at style in a broader, more expansive way. I'm looking at it in life. Like so many things that you get invested in life, sometimes life gets in the way and life leads you in different directions. Most recently, I rediscovered the Beatles. I happened to hear Paul McCartney being interviewed on a radio station. I got excited about what he had to say. I actually turned into Sirius Radio to listen to the Beatles station, and I became addicted. For the last couple of months, that's all I listened to on the radio is the Beatles. 
But I was thinking about football. See, I lost football. And style in football once again caught my attention. I was a serious watcher of football. I recognized the alignments, defensive and offensive. I can certainly call all the fouls and infractions as they happened, if the coverage allowed for me to see it. I knew the penalties for all the flags thrown and where the ball would be spotted. Yeah, I loved it, but I moved on. But during COVID, I rediscovered sports. During the lockdown, the athleticism, the athletes, the coaching, the competition, the beauty of sport. I really enjoyed the background stories, the characters of the sport, the players, the coaches. Being at home with free time, I rediscovered sports. Baseball, this was an amazing year. I re-involved myself with the Yankees. I hadn't paid any attention to the Yankees, so baseball since 2015 when I left LVMH and I left my billboard of DKNY in Yankee Stadium. I was involved with the Yankees. Actually, what happened is, is DKNY had that iconic billboard in Soho. One day we wake up, the building was sold, and we find out that we're losing our billboard. And as the CEO of the company, what am I going to do? How do I replace that? And then luck would happen. In 2009, I turn on the TV, and I heard the Yankees were a good ball club. And as I watched the TV, you may recall Hideki Mitsui, the famous Japanese player, probably the famous, most famous Japanese player ever played Major League Baseball, let alone in New York City at Yankee Stadium, is in right field. Someone hits a home run over his head. And as the ball is going over his head, the camera comes in for close-ups. And behind him is this orange billboard with Japanese characters. And at one point in time, the entire screen was filled with the ball going over that billboard. And I said to myself, this is it. That is the replacement for iconic billboard in Yankee Stadium. And I have to say... I decided right then and there I wanted to put a billboard in Yankee Stadium in center field. Now, I have to tell you, it was one of the most frustrating exercises I ever was involved with. But nonetheless, after convincing myself and convincing a company filled with women who are not necessarily interested in baseball, we ended up taking that billboard for five years and it was extraordinary time for all of us. And yeah, I had a great year with the Yankees. They disappointed at every term, but I enjoyed it. I was home. I had time. Then I came across Netflix, had a series called Drive to Survive Formula One. It's not just about the car. It's not just about the driver. It's about the team, the investment, and the management style. And we're talking style. And don't forget for a minute that every sport you watch is always about style and character. And it started with the Tom Brady story. Here is arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. He looks great. He's a perfect family man. He has a perfect attitude. He's an amazing leader. That's Tom Brady. And he was great at New England. And then his contract came due. After winning six Super Bowls, putting his team in competition Every single season. Yes, credible coach, credible playing staff, but you have to say the quarterback is the guy quarterbacking that field. He's the one in charge, and he did an amazing job. And for whatever the reasons were, they decided not to fight to keep him, and they let him go. And the story couldn't have been any better if it was a Hollywood movie. 
he was forced to leave. And with it, went to a new team who never, for 18 years, never placed in the Super Bowl. And he won with that team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, it reminds me, again, of style. And it reminds me of me. I was certainly not the greatest ever in my industry, not even close. I won. I won big. I fell, and I fell hard. But as General Patton had said, it's not how far you fall, it's how high you bounce back. And boy, did I bounce back. I ended up in the greatest luxury company in the world. So where am I going with this, this discussion of sports? Well, the world is opening. I'm opening. I'm going out again. Like everyone, I have a pent-up demand for life, for going out, for being outside, seeing clothes and being seen again. I want the world back. And I've become excited about getting dressed. And those of you who tune in to Always in Fashion to get a little bit of fashion, well, here we go. I'm doing it now. Whether you're getting dressed up, dressed down, either one of those styles take discipline. And as I've often said, there's no substitute for good taste. Style, style, style. Now, I happen to be a, a, a believer in style, not fashion. I don't believe in chasing trends. I don't believe that style and fashion necessarily are the same thing. See, fashion comes and goes, but style is forever. Your style remains with you. But I love the challenge of the edit. I love looking in the mirror and determining who I am. I love looking at myself and asking myself, what do I look best in? I like feeling good about myself, my looks, my image, my clothes. But I'm also an observer. And while I'm not that into fashion, in spite of the name of the show, I'm certainly into style and fashion versus trends, knowing that style, good style is forever. I believe I have forever style and I'm excited about everything forever. However, back to football, sports on TV, commentators are some of the best dressed people I've ever seen anywhere. Which sport there are? Because I've seen some horrendous outfits. <laughs> well, I'm getting there. Look, some of the older guys who have no business being in front of the camera other than they're articulate, they know their business, they have a right to be, but from a style point of view, they're a mess, I get it. But that's why I wanted to discuss sports, because of what I've seen. I'm watching these announcers, and some of them are dressed impeccably. Depends maybe what day of the week the show is on. Some of the sports shows during the week, guys are uh, more casual, but generally speaking, they're all elegant. They're all wearing suits, some with shirts and ties, some with open shirts at the college, some with knit shirts, really, really well. And I'm particularly impressed with these guys. Some of the former athletes are amazing. I don't know any of their names, but I know when I tune in to see them, I really like their style and I like the way they look. But this past Sunday, I was watching the pregames and four guys stood up to talk and they drove me crazy. Now I have to tell you, for the last five years, guys have been wearing orange or brown shoes with navy and gray suits. I don't know how trends become a trend. That's not true. Somebody wears it. Someone gets an idea. Someone maximizes. I could tell you before there was Dockers and Chino Pants, I'll never forget. I was in Italy. I always loved tan suits with white shirts. Somewhere along the way on movie somewhere, I saw some great looking European guy wearing a pair of beautiful tan pleated pants, brown crocodile loafers, brown crocodile belt, 
and a white shirt open at the neck. And I became a fan and I wore it all the time. And now I'm in Europe. I'm shopping for design and direction. And everywhere I went, there were chino pants. There were khaki pants, all in these light oyster, almost white colors, and they're extraordinary. And personally for myself, I must have bought 10 pair, and for the company, I bought 20. Now, I ended up buying them not for pants per se. I bought them for the colors and the neutrality of the colors, and they were extraordinary. And I brought it back home, and we did shirt lines at the time. That was my business. And those colors, we did extraordinarily well. But unbeknownst to me, during that period in time, Levi's must have been traveling at the same time. Because the next thing I know, there's a company named Dockers. And all they were selling was khaki and chino pants and all those colors I saw in Europe. So where do trends come from? Somebody sees something. Somebody picks up on it. Everybody follows, which brings me back to Sunday's football. Because I finally have accepted that not everyone is wearing orange shoes anymore, but they're wearing something else. They're wearing sneakers with white soles, brown sneakers, black sneakers, and worse, worse, they're wearing it with suits, and they look like buffoons. You know what they look like? They look like, okay, we have to be professional, but we have orthopedic issues. So we have to wear these sneakers to walk around to make me comfortable. It's really disgusting to look at. In all my life, I've never seen something look so stupid as those shoes with the white soles. It is a disaster. It is a disgrace. You guys don't look good. You look like followers. You look like sheep. You're not pulling it off. What are you wearing sneakers with suits for? Because you're cool? You're not cool. You're ordinary guys. You're older guys. Some of the young guys you have style. Why are you ruining it? There's no substitute for good taste. I'm going to wrap this segment up right now. We come back a little later. I'm going to talk about style again. And I'm going to talk about fashion. Be back in a minute. Always in fashion. This is Mark Weber, host of Always in Fashion radio and podcasts. I like talking about my favorite brands. And one of the three most important American heritage brands has always been Nautica. I've always been a big fan, a big admirer, and I wear their products because the quality is great and the styling is perfect. I love their colors. I love everything they do. Frankly, so do all Americans. That's why it's become an institution. Right now, they have a great new shirt that I want to talk about. It's hard to find a shirt that exists for multiple uses, but Nautica makes the perfect shirt that you can wear at home, you can wear to the office, it exists. And more importantly, you can even wear it on the weekends to live that style you're going out with, having fun in. That shirt is the Nautica four-way stretch shirts, which are made for modern lifestyles that go with you anywhere, do what you want to do whenever you want to do it. These Nautica shirts are made with four-way stretch, moisture wicking, temperature control, and wrinkle-resistant technology, and they will travel with you anywhere, and you'll always look amazing. From working in the office, at your home, or your social weekend life, you can find these shirts, Nordica's four-way stretch shirts, at Macy's, Nordstrom Rack, and Nordica stores online. Guys, I don't recommend many products. This one I do. I am a believer. Nordica, dress shirts and sports shirts, four-way stretch. You got it here. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. 
style and fashion like words in music, but style transcends fashion. Because style is applied to so many things. It's the style, of course, your style of dress, but it's the style in which the way you present yourself and the way you're seen. You have a business style, you have a work style, you have a lifestyle. Style is a very interesting thing. I think about me at work, and i got to tell you, I'm very much attuned to what I was like when I was in good corporate America because my elder son, Jared, followed me into this business after eight years practicing law. One of the brands that I was identified was IZOD. And I've talked about this before. That was a brand that my company bought out of bankruptcy. It was a huge opportunity. It was a do or die for the corporation. We borrowed money to make this thing work. The chairman of the company looked at me and said, Mark, we buy this. You have to run it. You have to make it work. Can you? And I promised him that I'd figure it out. And myself, the team of people, turned eyes out into a mega lifestyle brand in America. And we really, really ran it up very quickly. And the idea of IZOD was to be a national, traditional brand with energy. When you think about Ralph Lauren, there's no one better. I have to admit, I wear more Ralph Lauren things now than anything else. I'm really an admirer. I love his clothes. But it's, in a sense, it's this European aristocratic lifestyle. They do hip-hop now. They do the Westerns. They do a lot of different things. But in general, I wouldn't describe it as fun or active. And Izad was just that. When I was buying the company, I came across a photograph of Lacoste, which is uh, the precursor to Izod. Those two brands were joined, and that's a story for another time, Izod Lacoste. But I had this photograph of three people, two guys and a girl, wearing black and white bathing suits running down a beach. And that photo was so iconic to me that I blew it up, I left it in my office, and it became the symbol for what I wanted Izod to be under my watch and I'm under my tutelage and direction. And I turned it into America's fun and hygienic lifestyle brand. It looked like polo because it was classic. Polo shirts, classic stripes, fleece, khaki pants, jeans. It was all of those things, but with energy, with a vibrancy, with color and action. And I built the brand at PVH, and it became a part of my identification, something I love very dearly. And after all is said and done, I hope my other brands are not listening. I hope DKNY and Calvin Klein and Van Usen, to name a few, are no longer listening. Because IZOD was my number one brand. I loved it. It meant so much to me. Now, the interesting thing is my former company failed. I did a show called You Failed. There's no other way to spin it. You want to go back and listen to it. It was uh, probably in uh, August when I found out they were selling their heritage brands, including Izon and Van Usen. Should have never happened under my watch. It wouldn't have. I gave a lot of love and attention to those brands, and I made them exciting. And they gave them up. But who bought them? My son's company. And what's amazing is my son is overseeing the rebirth of Izon in his new company. And between us girls, I have an image book that was done at IZOD during my tenure of all, not all, but of a lot of the great photographs and energetic photographs and colorful photographs we put together when we were at the company. It became the precursor of what that new IZOD became. I gave that book to my son, and he said, Daddy, what do you think IZOD is? Or tell me what it was. And I explained him. I gave him the book. And he just concluded this incredible photo shoot. He and his team worked on 
to make Izod the next great, fun, active, inspired, traditional brand. And I saw those pictures. How do you feel for the fact that he's taking on the mantle, that he's kind of doing the next chapter of something you did? <laughs> uh, I feel great about it. I feel that um, he's feeling the pressure of doing right by me. And I'm sure he's got the energy to make it happen. And he's been telling me that they're showing the photographs, they're showing the positioning to the very distant licensed partners this past week. And they're telling him how amazed they are by it, how he's delivered far beyond the challenges they gave him. These partners are excited about it. They're referencing me in this picture that, you know, your father built it and now you're doing it. And it's a great thing between father and son to share a legacy all these years apart. Particularly, I'm not at the company anymore, and I love seeing that happen. But as I, I watch my son and, and do this, I think about his reaction to me when it comes to this particular brand. It's like uh, Al Pacino in The Godfather. I ever need help, who's a better consigliere than my father? So in the case of Izod, I like being the consigliere to my son. I like what's happening here. But when I compare the two of us, other than having style, we both have interesting, great style. His style is better than mine. I never saw a guy dress as well, put together himself as well as my son Jared does. It's extraordinary. But that's where I think a lot of the comparisons end, except for I would be defined, as people tell my son, after all, he's in the industry that I was in for many years, and I was important. I told you, I used to be important. I no longer am, I admit it. No one is interested in me. I'm not there. They care about what I have to say. I'm on the radio. I have a platform, but I'm not there. But they've always told him, as I knew, that your father was very tough, but very fair. And that's what my son is. He's tough, but fair. But the interesting thing about him, he's a far better seller than I could ever be. And his style is about bringing people together. I was not. I was not. It was my way or the highway. I had a vision. You followed my vision or get out of my way. My way or the highway. And yet he's getting people to do it with a straightforward, honest approach. He's like a politician. He could be the ambassador to Panama. And he told me a story today that he had a tough, tough meeting with one of his partners. And at the end of the meeting, the guy walked away smiling. He understood that Jared was trying to help him. He understood that Jared was going to have to win this argument, but he didn't go away with this bad feeling. And I'm admiring that in him because his style is tough but fair, but he's human. My style was tough but fair, but I didn't like humans, so I'm not sure I was human. And after all is said and done, his style is there. He's getting it executed. He's bringing in the energy. He's doing it with a smile. People are happy, people are impressed, and people are going to win. And that's a great style to have. Be back in a minute. Always in fashion. It's Mark Weber, host of Always in Fashion. Karl Lagerfeld was one of the world's most celebrated fashion icons. His creative genius still is through with his Karl Lagerfeld Paris collection. Karl Lagerfeld was known for his artistry, his photography, his fashion design. He was a brilliant, brilliant creator. And he was also known for his cutting edge and aspirational and inspirational approach to style and life. Included in the Karl Lagerfeld Paris collection is women's ready-to-wear, accessories, shoes, and bags. Karl Lagerfeld also offers a wide range of watches, eyewear, and premium fragrances. The Karl Lagerfeld brand is there for you to be different, to be special, 
and feel unique. Explore the Carl Lagerfeld collection at carllagerfeld.com. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. In the way you look tonight. Well, for a show called Always in Fashion, where I started off saying that we don't talk very much about fashion, and it's fashion that I want to continue to talk about. I want to talk about style tonight, and that's what I have been talking about. Your own personal style. In this world, what you say matters, but how you say it matters perhaps even more. It shouldn't matter what you look like. It's not fair, but it does. Now, we all can't be six foot two or beautiful or great physiques, but we can look our best. And style comes into play. I don't believe in following trends because trends come and go. It's like fashion. Today's palazzo pants are tomorrow's peacock. I mean, it just doesn't last the test of time. Where is your style? How you put yourself together, what you represent is forever. So it got me to thinking, where did I get my style from? And that's what I want to talk about with Jesse tonight. Wait, let me guess. You got your style from Miami Vice. No, but I will tell you, in 1980, the whole world got their style from Miami Vice. There were certain things that I wonder about where I saw something first and what were the inventions. And um, when I think about how I carry myself and what was my style, overall, more than anywhere or anyone else, I was influenced by Sean Connery as James Bond. I'll never forget as a young boy the impact that had on me. The tuxedo, the casino life and the gambling, always winning, being cool, a black tie, even the white dinner jacket with the red carnation, the Rolex Submariner watch. Turned out my first watch was a Rolex Submariner, my first real watch, and the sports car. The minute I could afford to buy one, I bought one, and I've always had a sports car. From the day I was a little boy, I dreamed of them, to the day I got my driver's license. My first car, I borrowed money from my mother and father, and I bought a used Jaguar XKE convertible. Red. A little hot in color for me, but I loved that car. At that time, late 70s, it was the first and best-looking sports car in America. I'll never forget, you want to talk cars? I put my first cell phone, weren't moving around phones. I had one installed in my car. I had it drilled into the console, and it was sitting there for six months before the cell system in the United States was actually turned on. And in time, it became unbelievably useful because on my way to work, I would get on that cell phone and talk to everyone in the office before I even got to work. All the early rises, early ones, I got it out of the way, made me more productive. So as far as I'm concerned, my style came from James Bond. It became a style of very clean, very classic, hopefully very elegant. If I was going to start life all over again, I would go to walking school and I would point to Sean Connery walking and I'd ask them to teach me how to walk like Sean Connery. Jesse, do you ever give any thought to where your style came from? Mommy, when I was younger, would always take me clothes shopping. And here's the most amazing thing about mommy. She never told me what to get or she never rushed me. We would get in a store. She said, you go look around, take your time. She would give her advice, but she always let me have my own style. She always let me craft what I thought I would look best in. And that's how I started. And she was so patient with me uh, as I was younger and Growing up, it really, it really was special. Well, mommy was a shocker. 
talk about style and beautiful and elegant. I know everybody must talk about their wife that way, but I did and I will because it's true. I was out of my league when it came to my wife. She's beautiful. Let's talk about where ideas came from. That's what I want to talk about. I was in Israel on business. And during that period in time, the company was building a factory in Israel. We were connected with the government. I'll never forget. We were taking into uh, the Israeli Air Force, and we were taken inside a hangar to see Israeli jets. They introduced us to a pilot with the Israeli Air Force, and he got in this jet. We climbed up that ladder and stood there, and he reached over and started showing us the different controls. And I'll never forget his hands were beautiful. They looked like a, a surgeon's hands. They were strong, manicured And the way he moved them was with precision. I never forgot it. And he was wearing a G-Shock watch. And since that day, when I was 30 years old, looking at the guy in that cockpit, I've owned a G-Shock watch. Jesse, you have some unique looks. Where do you get your unique looks? I'll tell you one of my most unique looks that I don't think I've seen anybody wear. I wear a puffy vest underneath a suit. And the reason that happened was I would be going from my apartment to work and it was cold. It was chilly, but it wasn't quite worth a a long jacket or a heavy jacket, but I needed something to keep me warm. So I had the idea of why don't I wear like a Uniqlo vest, a zip up vest. I've had other vests too. I put it over my dress shirt. Then I put the jacket over that. It almost looks like a three piece suit, but with a vest. It's a good look. I've actually gotten compliments on that look. It's a very stylish look. There was a period where I made a decision that I wanted to do all my men's shirt advertising in women's magazines. Every guy shopping for shirts in those days were influenced by women. And it turned out 70% of all men's dress shirts at that time were purchased by women. And I started setting up appointments with Cosmopolitan, Harper's Bazaar, Vogue. And as it turned out, 99% of them were women. And I started noticing early at that time a trend in the way they dressed. And it became one of my favorite looks of all time. I'll never forget the editor-in-chief of um, Harper's Bazaar at the time. Her name escapes me. I apologize. And I walked in. Her assistant brought me in. And she stood up to greet me. She was wearing a bright pink Chanel blazer, a black above-the-knee skirt with black tights and black suede shoes with a black turtleneck. I'll never forget how I was taken by the way she looked in that outfit. Now, yeah, there's no question she was striking, but I loved the way that outfit looked, and it left an indelible impression on me, and I hadn't thought about it until... You know, recently, because that's part of my style, black and offsetting colors. When Ralph Lauren opened his store on 5th Avenue and 55th Street, I'll never forget the windows were draped and closed during the entirety of the construction. And the night before they were opening that huge store, it happened to be in the uh, Coca-Cola building. They took the space from Coca-Cola. That night, I went to the store. And they opened and turned on the lights of the windows. And in the windows, on the men's side, it was men's wearing black jeans, black boots, black suede shoes, black turtlenecks, and bright color puffy jackets. On the women's side of the window, it was women wearing similar looks. Bright yellow, bright green, bright red, and black pants, black shoes or tights. 
black skirts and it struck me as extraordinary. So much so that I have never forgotten how that looked. And I mentioned your brother before. One day last winter, he shows up at the house. He's on his way to work and he's wearing a black suit, an orange puffy vest and a top coat in black. And what an extraordinary look. So much so that I now have bright vests in orange, bright white vests that I wear with puffy coats or I wear with top coats. And I love that look. How about you, Jess? You got another one? I do have another look. You know how people wear all black? I kind of did a tweak on it. Navy suit, navy shirt, navy tie. It's like John Wick, but navy. It's one of my favorite outfits. I don't remember where I got it from, but I really like it. Well, I love it. It looks great on you. I've done it multiple times myself, particularly for occasions where I want to stand out just a bit. Really, what it comes all down to is style. It's all about you having your own style. You can be as creative as you want. I prefer to be, wow, look at him. That's really nice versus, wow, see you walking in. The recent awards show, the men's wearing skirts, the men's wearing dresses, the men's wearing no socks, crazy colored tuxedos. I want no part of that. I know it's fashion. I know it's Gucci. I know all you guys out think you're cool, but you're not. I think you need to think about what it is. Now, if you want that style, go right ahead. It's your style. You're entitled to do. I, on the other hand, have always tried to maintain a degree of elegance, detail, simplicity, and not necessarily standing out. I let my personality do the talking for me. That's my style. I'll take a break. We'll be back in a minute. Always in fashion. This is Mark Weber, host of Always in Fashion radio and podcasts. I want to talk to you now about one of America's great brands, Nautica. I've always been a fan and admirer of Nautica. Great styling, great quality. I love the brand. Now, every working guy wants a shirt he can wear working in the office, at home, and out on the weekends. I'm talking to you ladies. Nautica four-way stretch shirts are the perfect gift this holiday for the guys in your life. The Nautica four-way shirts are made for modern lifestyles with most of the important tech and features that today's guy looks for. Nautica shirts are made with four-way stretch, moisture wicking, temperature control, and wrinkle-resistant technologies. Again, from one of America's great brands, one of America's great heritage brands, Nautica. You could shop Nautica four-way stretch shirts at Macy's, Nordstrom Rack, and at Nautica stores and online. Trust me, ladies, this is a great present for your guys this holiday season. Welcome, Welcome back, back to, to Always, Always in, fashion. in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. And I say yes, Tonight, it's been about style. The most important lesson I can give you is comfort and style go hand in hand. You have to be comfortable in the clothes. You wear the clothes, they don't wear you. Some people might call it cool, some confident. Me, it's capable and in control. Comfort gives you confidence on all levels, which leads to the most important comfort of all. Comfortable in your skin. So you can smile, so you can contribute, so you can take on the world. Style is your style. It's all you. Own it. Comfort in oneself is always in fashion. Good night. Oh, my darling, you 
I wanna 